2: Hello, uh, this is me, Chris McGlade Tickets are on sale for my critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness at the iconic 100 Club on Oxford Street in London
1: How can you write a comedy show about the murder of your father? Well, Chris McGlade the Northern comedian has with his critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness at the 100 Club on Oxford Street October the 12th Tickets at biletto.co.uk or at the 100 Club Chris McGlade
2: Forgiveness. Come down and see the show. Thanks very much. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace A pop culture podcast network Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast My name is Bethany Tennick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows Classic albums, peak era wrestling And so much more Some intern got
1: fired for that like. <laughs> Be like, Jared! And what
2: would you have done? <laughs> Loved it, what a moment, what a moment Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews The one and only Ewan Angus Take G Telfer, Director of Slow Games Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Aye, good to see you man, good to see you man been <laughs> no a long time man Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of West. rest It's about 35 <laughs> 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 Find us on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts
1: Hello, and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Wheland, and uh, with me this week are Jim Grant. Good evening. And uh, you know him as Director of Newsroom Innovation at The Telegraph. Uh, Jim, you know him as Furry Face, uh, I believe. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why. I don't think Dan knows why. I don't think... Do you know why? Is that a... I'll I'll move on. Anyway, um, uh, before we start today's podcast, um, I just want to take a a serious moment uh, and, um, well, I'll I'll, I'll just say it. Last Sunday, with the time approaching midnight, the time in Hong Kong, footballer Mark Noble was soundly asleep and dreaming about a sandwich when suddenly and without warning, he was shaken violently awake by a group of identically dressed men whilst another bellowed commands at him in what may have been Scottish or possibly Farsi. Disorientated and confused, he was forced to strip down to just a pair of shorts and a shirt whilst a man with an iPad ordered him to watch and memorise a graphic of a ball and a goal with a flashing red arrow going from one to the other whilst shouting at him in a language he recognised as scouse or possibly Farsi. Anticipating the worst, that the ball was him and the goal was a military airfield, he feared that he was about to be bundled into the back of a van and that within hours he would be interned at Guantanamo Bay, never to see his family again. Instead, he was pushed onto a field and forced to take a penalty. Fania Kendricks of Amnesty International described it as an egregious abuse of Mark's human rights. This injustice cannot stand, she said. We call for the immediate release of Mark Noble and for free and fair elections in East London. UN independent expert on the rights of older people, Henrik Jensen, says that ageism is so pervasive in society that the public humiliation of a a venerable older person is now no longer the exception. The discrimination and marginalization of our elders are the norm. Also, said a furious Jensen, he should have whacked it straight up the middle, like Dixie would have done. Dixie was great. We're sort of seeing, um, you know, games uh, last season, some of our sort of... Games where, you know, the Fulham game where we we rode a bit of luck and won it 1-0. The Sheffield United game um, last Thursday, obviously, that you know, there the were sort of um, a, a catastrophically bad back pass, uh, though Antonio was really quick to get onto it, and then giving up the ball in a dangerous place in midfield and uh, turning over at the wrong time. You can see a manager saying it was just a tough... We were undone by just a couple of pieces of bad luck. But it's it's when you're a good team that you've got any luck to ride. You can't ride luck that yeah. isn't there. And if you're not in the game and what we, some of those, um, you know, s- s- slightly huff and puffing one nil wins last season. are uh, the thing is we're in those games. We're in them for the, for the 90 minutes. There's always a chance as there was on Sunday that we might come back and get something out of that game in the final dying seconds. And, um, yeah, as you say, Jim, being, uh, you know, constantly pressing and being in their faces sort of bought about those errors uh, yeah. from the team. So, you know, um, that's how kind of at that level, because at that level, all of the teams are good, aren't they? And it often is fine margins. It often is yeah. mistakes, forced mistakes that make Absolutely. the difference. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, to be Absolutely. the kind of team that achieves that, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway. that- I was going to say, I think the thing that really impressed me was, um, as you mentioned, Jim, those kind of fringe players coming in and we didn't look any weaker. And I think squad depth has been our real Achilles heel for the last probably two or three seasons. And we finally made some signs that give us that bit of depth. But even, let's like say, fringe players like Fredericks, Manzini come in and they're so well coached and so well drilled in that system that it, it appears that it didn't really matter who's playing in those positions. They know how to play as a team, as a unit. And I just don't think I've really seen that at West Ham for... I'm no, oh, uh, not it, sure I've seen it in my lifetime. To no,
1: absolutely not. You you saw that in some of those... So uh, We were talking about this last week, some of those kind of Carabao Cup games where we had sort of various mixtures of sort of players that can't get in the team, like Yarmolenko and Lanzini, but also some youth players coming through. Um and uh but they seem to all know the system they seemed they looked like they uh knew what to do they knew what to do when they got on the pitch it's just that
2: shape it's a cultural change that is as we've said you know before clearly down to Moyes and and the background stuff so you know you, you start to cast your minds back when was the last time you remember a West Ham team uh and you've come away going, well, we were well spanked, and they were just the better side, and we weren't good enough. Or, which we've said so many times over so many years, or, um, well, we just we didn't turn up. We were just expected to be able to, you know, uh, turn up and win, and we didn't. Um, and then we didn't, you know. Yeah, which absolutely. again, we're we, we're we're used to. I would say the last time I can remember thinking, oh, that's a typical West Ham form was the four-one away defeat to e- uh, Everton at the start of last season in the in said Carabao yeah. Cup. And who played in that game? Noble, Snodgrass, Anderson, Allaire, yeah. you yeah. know, yesterday's yeah. men, really. Um, and uh, the, the 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 new guys have come in, are, done a great are, are job buying into a culture shift.
1: Well, we'll talk about the changes. We'll talk about Manchester United. We might have a word or two about Jimmy Greaves after this message. Welcome back. Uh, yes. Now that there, there were quite a few fringe players, it was sort of, um, uh, it was a, slightly concerning that the players that we feel we work the hardest are the ones that weren't <laughs> rotated. Uh, three in principle, Rice, Suchek and Fournals. Um It was good to give Sufal a rest, obviously with uh, Manchester United coming up. But um, yes, I mean, that has to be sort of addressed at some point. We do we do, in theory, have the players to to give them a rest now that we have uh, Kral. Um, but, uh, you know, we were back to our, obviously with the exception of missing Antonio, we were back with our uh, sort of first 11 for Manchester United. And um, what do we make of the game, Dan?
0: Well, it's... It's it's hard to look past that final five minutes, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, but I think if we if we can kind of think about the first 88 minutes. Um I mean it, it was it was a cracking competition. I thought we we were competitive, which is what I really wanted to see. I think the the so-called big four was again very much Moise's Achilles heels last season. He looked intimidated when we played Man United, when we played Liverpool, when we played Man City, and When we played Chelsea, like the team, as good as the team was for the rest of the season, those games, we tended to look a little bit like we didn't think we could win or Mm -hmm. we didn't Mm -hmm. really believe that we were good enough to compete with them. I think on Sunday, it felt like the team believed and they thought they could push this Manchester United team all the way. And you know this is a very good Man United team. I mean, you know, I'd be yeah. surprised if they didn't finish top three. Um, I think you know they've they've got an incredible squad. Um, the 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 thing that really ran that home for me was the substitutions in the second half. When you know they yeah. brought on yeah. Jaden Sancho, cost seventy million, and Jesse Lingard. We all know and we brought on Yarmolenko and Lanzini, and you know the. That's just the level of teams we're playing with. And of course, you know, they're starting 11, had Fernandes, Pogba, Ronaldo. You know, it was stuff full of talent, yet we pushed them all the way. And that's the kind of progression I want to see this season. You know, we, we know we're good enough to roll over a lot of teams in this division, but we need to start showing we can compete with the teams above us. And I was that's what pleased me the most, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's always really good to feel you've taken part in, a, 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 as they say, a good game for the neutrals. And, I mean, that game really did have everything, especially with what happened in the last three or four minutes. You know, it was a good game anyway. And then, obviously, its it's climactic moments were sort of pretty extraordinary. Um, Yeah, I thought we... I mean, we really... You know m- might have narrowly won the first half of that game. I thought I thought we were very oh. strong in the first half. I did think they uh Jim that they came into it in the second half and that we were you know slightly not backs to the wall but we were definitely sort of not the kind of not playing in major we were sort of the we were we were having to react to what they were doing. They were sort of on the good foot a lot in the second <coughs>
2: Yeah, I think that was an element of that throughout the game. I, I, yeah, I think you're probably right. I, 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 it wasn't an obvious game of two halves, though. I didn't think, and um, I, I felt it, for a lot of the game, it felt like two, you know, top top six teams going toe to toe. And I agree with Dan. I think uh, it, uh, you know that's something we're not we're not used to. We're used to kind of occasionally raising our game and, and turning out yeah. and having an amazing performance against one of the yeah. big teams. Um, but sort of consistently, consistently that sense that we we belong at that level and that that we're going to give a team a, a, a you know a lot to think about. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it was a good game in in terms of both sides' attacks are better than their defences, I think. Um, and uh, you know, we we uh, they created more chances, but I think we created possibly marginally some 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 of the better ones really. Um, my big take, well, I've got someone. I, 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 I'm going to go on a rant about Ronaldo and cheating in a in a minute, and the f- kerfuffle about it all. Um, but I, I did think our penalty shout was one of the most outrageous not to be given and not VAR'd uh, since VAR came in. I cannot believe it was almost uh, well, it was assault and battery, wasn't it? He absolutely, check. yeah. He yeah. Absolutely, upended him, yeah cleaned him out. And the referee gave a free kick to them. Uh, yeah. Expl- so what he was yeah. seeing, I I, I I, don't know. And uh, to be fair to Atkinson, I think normally he's one of the better Premier League referees, but he, he, he got that one completely wrong. Very strange. Uh, wasn't all the, yeah, really strange. And then you've got all the... Uh, Ronaldo and his antics. You know, I am really glad that these, this kind of interpretation, if not a law change, has come in about kind of contact in the box. Because... He has been doing it for years and he's not the only one. Um, but he basically we, we were really had a good view of those penalties, didn't we? at around the penalty shouts at our end, the Ronaldo ones. Um, you can see what he's doing. He 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 knocks the ball um and he looks to initiate contact and he's already falling over both times, they're both absolutely. Attempts to deceive the referee. He should. Oh, I don't been...
1: know. The guy the other side of me and myself sort of thought the second one, the Zuma one, that looked like it could have been a pen. The first one, he just goes down too easily. The contact. From well, I think too far, isn't it?
2: I think it's true of both. He's already going down when Zuma makes his challenge. And interestingly, the referees panel or whatever that debriefed this, there was a report in the Times today uh, actually said the Zuma, the Atkinson got the Zuma one absolutely right. But said possibly the on-field call for the first one might have been a penalty and it probably still should have been VAR. The Times managed to spin the headline, mini headline of this little article, that Ronaldo was somehow right, which is not what it says. And and in fact, the um in the Times the previous day, the the uh, Peter Walton, who's their referee that does their little bit of analysis, said Atkinson got both those, those right, neither of them were penalties. They're not dives as such they're not as blatant as that but it's still cheating and yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and all the histrionics about it afterwards is all part of the long-term strategy to win penalties in the next game in the next game and yeah, yeah. it's straight out of the Ferguson playbook Solskjaer's come out and said oh Ronaldo won't get any penalties now it's yeah, all bollocks yeah. uh, and I hope he continues not to get penalties if they're not penalties which those which those weren't and my other big takeaway um, is that uh, I, I, I think Ariola needs to get his chance at, at goalkeeper because I've been a little bit uncertain about Fabianski for some while now, and he was definitely at fault for, for, for their equaliser, I would think.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel I feel a bit for Fabianski. He made two pretty great saves in that game. The Fernandez yes, did, one that he actually tipped fair. onto the post. So it's it, Yeah. In in the game, it, it looked like it went so he hit it so hard, it looked like he just smacked it straight into the post. But it turned out to be an incredible save, and the one where he rushed out to Ronaldo's feet. But I think the level we aspire to be at, he needs to be doing that for ninety nine percent of the game, rather than eighty percent of the game. And yeah. I'm I'm kind of hoping Ariola will, will will take that to another level.
1: Yeah, he needed to hang on to that one, didn't he? I mean, it just came out sort of. You know, to Ronaldo, it was um, it sort of needed to sort of, you know, he's, he's either got to kind of parry it out of his grasp or hang on to it, and yep. he did neither. Um, yeah,
2: it's a goalkeeping error, as as I think um, was well, there. Well, I think for a while now he, he he doesn't command his box well enough and doesn't come off his line decisively enough, and there were a couple of instances of that, and I think. The one where Zuma had to kind of backpedal and head it out where he could easily have come and claimed the ball actually just was, you know, led, didn't directly lead to their goal, but then they got possession back and that led to the Lingard goal. So, you know, on our bench, we've got apparently, you know, statistically the number one stop shot stopper in European football last season. So uh, I think he certainly will play tomorrow night. I can't imagine he's not going to play tomorrow night. And I think if he has a good game, tomorrow night um, I, I, I personally I'd like to see him um, I'd
0: like to see him start
2: against, against Leeds
0: yeah I'm yeah. surprised he didn't start in uh, in Croatia I thought that would be the perfect yeah that would him in, but, but he, he wasn't ready for the game which is a little bit not quite sure what he meant by that but considering yeah. he's been with us for most of pre-season I thought that was quite a, yeah. a weird thing to say Yeah,
2: uh, uh, ironic in the light of uh, he wasn't ready for the game but I will send <laughs> on and play as he hasn't yeah. warmed up to take a right. penalty, and I, yeah, actually, okay, so that's my third takeaway because you have obviously referred to it but it was very funny, but um, I do think that was a shocking managerial decision. I'm, as you know, I'm a great Moyes backer and have been all the way through, even in the, his first spell, uh, and never wanted him to go after that first spell, but uh, god, that was a stinker. And you know, if we, we, you know, we should have learned, crikey, everyone was watching the Euro final and that the mistake that, that Southgate clearly made you know um and it's the same thing I, statistically he might be your best penalty taker, but he's completely cold he's coming into a he hasn't warmed up he hasn't he has you know it's a it's a the mental focus as well you know mm-hmm. just let someone in the heat of battle take that right you know right yeah. rice, has, rice has got the ball he's got to be that's it. a bad error and and Dublin made the point on match of the day that that um you know what what message does it send to rice as well in terms of kind of kind of trust so, yeah, but yeah, that was a real stinker of or decision. Whichever way yeah, you spin what it, and even wanted... if Noble had scored, it would have been the wrong decision. What you
1: one. wanted was uh, either Rice or I don't know who else takes penalties. Bowen, I imagine, might take a good penalty, but also Thomas Suchek, Just bring out a pair of starting blocks for him uh, to
0: hit the rebound. <laughs> yeah. You know, Restwell can hit a bit of dead ball. You know, yeah. I, mean,
2: I, I you
0: know. Let's say add Yarmolenko to that list and Cresswell. I mean, you know, Yarmolenko's taken 20 odd penalties in his in, in his career. Suchek's taken almost 10. Bowen's taken seven and they've yeah. scored the majority of them. I I agree with you, Jim. I think it was a, an awful decision. And that I'm just really surprised given how methodical and and prepared and by the numbers Moyes is, that he made a really un gamble. Yes, he is a little bit...
1: He's he's done one or two sort of sentimental things sometimes. When he... um, It felt like because Joe Hart had the opportunity to go to World Cup 18, he said, it's almost like Moyes went, I'll do my best. If Adrian makes a mistake, you're in. Adrian makes the tiniest little mistake in one of the guys. And then we have Joe Hart for like quite a lot of the season, who is fucking awful. And Adrian has to come back to finish the season. And, you know, Moyes was only the manager for half a season. So, you know, sort of half of that half a season, we had Joe Hart in goal when we'd started with a perfectly good goalkeeper in Adrian. Um, And I think he had... I think he had made a kind of slightly sentimental promise going, you know, this is probably your last stab at getting into the squad for, for the World Cup. If I can help you in any way, I will. And what he did was like, let him play and then let him let loads of goals in and have to drop him again um yeah it was interesting uh, jim it was, it was interesting that your point about sort of um yeah penalties and possibly the change of attitude towards uh giving penalties in the box and var appeals and all that because i did i i think i think you're right i mean certainly me and the guy next to me we thought that that zuma second one we thought that was going to be a pen we thought he'll give that even uh, though he yeah, did even though question. he did go over his leg but it was it was yeah. much more robust you know the problem with the first one yeah. is that sual barely touched him uh, was and he taking went his over. leg
2: away when the contact was made. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's Ronaldo who makes contact with him deliberately. You know, but I, I really, you know,
1: even even though you know we might have um we might have sort of uh come out of that unfavorably, I, I'm I'll be pleased if they do start to remember that just two players coming together in any area of the pitch doesn't mean that one of them's at fault and the other is the victim. So You know, things are, uh, and it was certainly the case in the Euros, getting waved on a lot more, it feels. Like the old days, like before a few years ago. You know, things are just getting waved on, going, no, nothing happened. Two of you came together and either one or both of you fell over, but that's what we call an accident and play is just going to continue. Yeah. Um, And you're right about Solskjaer. Solskjaer... Solskjaer has turned into a bit of a shithead hasn't he lately he's sort of from being from being quite sort of boyish and humble and going this is a great opportunity for me I'm a young manager you know I've only managed in Scandinavia and and uh, to to manage this great club is brilliant he's now they can do no wrong The other team didn't play well. We were unlucky. He's turned into Ferguson again. All kind of like, we were great. We did nothing wrong. We're brilliant. Oh, the other team didn't play. We were unlucky if we lost. He really is a little kind of mini Ferguson. You
2: can guarantee that in in a game coming up, Raul is going to do the same thing. Run into someone, start falling over before they make contact, and and it's going to get given. And because there's contact, the VAR won't over- overturn it. You know, it 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 it's just nailed on to happen. And it I it makes me I I, oh god, I was so angry with. with
1: I felt over- like it was one of the only times I've ever felt like starting a chant, but you don't think it's going to get traction. <laughs> I thought of going, "You're just a shit Wilfred Zaha. You're just a <laughs> shit Wilfred <laughs> Zaha." <laughs> um, yeah, because of yeah. all the kind of going over like a sack of potatoes yeah, but and it complaining. Makes you
2: real. I mean, he's incredibly good at it. I mean, it's a You know, you can sort of grudgingly say it's a skill. Vard is brilliant at it. We all know how good Grealish is at uh, making it look as though he's been fouled. Um, you know, and these players do get fouled a lot. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that they don't get fouled, um, but but they're also extremely adept. They must practice it at. Uh, and uh, 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 sort of, kind of making it look as though they've been fouled when actually they haven't. And well, both I think if, those you, were the case. if you
1: go at speed and somebody tries to, to dispossess yeah, you, like tap it's just going to happen, thing. doesn't it? Yeah. I, I think famously that you know, I one thing that just slightly tainted our four-one win against Holland in Euro '96 was that Ince really buys that penalty that opens yes, the does. door.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. He just run. He he sprints into the box when it's a completely it's too short a distance to sprint it's like he's going to sprint a 100 meters it's like where are you going so fast where is it you think you're going are you going to sprint through the net and into the stand because he he runs so far and he knows it's because someone will stick their leg out he knows that's going to happen and he buys it and that's kind of That's the Grealish playbook, isn't it? Sterling a little bit, though. I think he's been better than he used to be, Sterling. I think he's actually... actually, Well, Sterling's become a better player, so he doesn't sort of do it as much as he used to. I think he used to buy free kicks a lot, Sterling, but he's just a better footballer now, so he doesn't have to. He can step away from tackles, you know.
0: That that Kurt Zuma challenge on Ronaldo, I mean obviously it looks worse in slow motion, but you see him plant his training leg and he's he's put his studs in the ground, he's dragging his leg along, which then tips him over. Yeah. Yes. And you know, yeah, I mean it 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 that's a practice move, as you say, Jim. That's it's, not something definitely. you do. that's not anticipating contact. That is deliberately tripping yourself up or, you yeah. absolutely. Know, or resting your, absolutely. your momentum. Yeah making yeah. you go down i mean it's yeah. like yeah and and i like like you Jim. i'm, I'm glad he got caught up in it And called i mean absolutely it. technically
2: according to the letter of the law they were both yellow card offenses in my view but uh, you can accept that they're not going to give them because you know there is contact it's they're not a kind of clean neat obvious dive with no one no one in, which is the only time anyone does get yellow card these days
1: but um, um I felt I wanted to see uh, Kral. Uh, I felt that sort of not because either Suchek or Rice uh, was necessarily fading, but just for a bit of energy in the second half. Just that's for, for the reason that we have substitute. That's I wanted to see Kral for the reasons you have substitutions. That we just needed some energy. You know, Mm -hmm. just to to keep the ball up the other end of the pitch a bit more so that we weren't sort of fighting a rearguard action. Um, So it wasn't his implicit crawlness, because I don't know what he's like. I've really seen him. I've seen him a bit in in the Euros. It's just a sort of different guy in the middle of the park bringing some hustle and energy. Because Yarmolenko isn't that substitution. And uh, Lanzini is not physical enough. He does Lanzini does work hard and he is a good he is a scamperer. He he puts a he, you know, he'll put a lot into the game, but he's he just doesn't have that kind of physical presence. And mm. it could have really helped us to just have some an injection of energy in the middle of the pitch.
0: Yeah, I, I think Suchet has looked tired in the last 15 minutes of games up to now. I think on Sunday he looked tired from pretty much after the first 15. I think yeah. Then the number of minutes he's already played this season with those three international games, including that ridiculous friendly with Ukraine. Why is he playing a friendly against Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah. Third game in international yeah. grade. Yeah. He, yeah. he looks knackered. And as we know, that like, energy is so much a part of his game. Uh, thought, if he's even um, I, 10% off. It's, I agree. It, it but I thought
2: um, the most notably jaded looking one on on, um, on Sunday was Fornell's yeah and i i um you know i think you're right phil i mean it's not sustainable for for those three key energy giving players in, in in the heart of our team to to keep playing thursday sunday you know it's not you know they are gonna eventually uh, pick up injuries or strains or whatever or just going to run out of a bit of steam in an important game so I imagine Kral will play play his role. Like be, I, again, you probably expect him to be starting tomorrow night. And yeah, um, you know Moyes. It's odd because it's not true with every player, but Moyes is sometimes slow to, uh, you know, it gives people players a long time to bed in before they uh, before they finally sort of come through. So uh, you know, it's going to happen. I mean, he's twenty three. He's been brought ultimately to one imagines to be Rice's successor, but. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. We did, we need, you know, there are times when you just need the right kind of legs in midfield because the other team are just, you know, running far more than you, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, L- uh, Lingard is a kind of a powerful presence to come off the bench. Exactly.
2: So you know. yeah. What, uh, what a goal by the way. I mean, I know, yeah. I know you could criticize Zuma a little bit for letting him come in on there, but those, those are hard, it's hard to stop players, good players doing that. And, yeah. and, uh, In the end, the shot, you know, we saw him do it for us. I "I, I, You know, he's a cracking player, isn't he? He He's very, very good.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I'm sort of secretly pleased that he's kind of, you know, you really thought that the death knell was being rung for him when they got Cristiano Ronaldo with all the other sort of attacking midfielders. And Sancho. And Sancho, yeah. All the other attacking midfielders they've got. You thought, you know, Jesse's just like, you know, he's obviously just... Planning to run his contract down or something, and like if he if he plays, he plays. But in fact, you know, he scored against uh, was it Newcastle? He scored, you know, he scored in Ronaldo's debut, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that's his second goal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but also played in...
0: that disastrous back pass, in yes, the,
1: uh, yeah, bewilderingly yeah, yeah. bad back pass, wasn't mm. it? Very yeah. strange. Um, but yeah, you'd 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 want um you'd want to see Kral feature, wouldn't you? Otherwise, I I would, you know, I was just saying for the sake of energy, like, I don't know if um, we just slightly sacrifice one flank and put Fredericks on and just tell him to run around. Do you know what I mean? Like, just chase, just chase the ball, you know. I remember a game where just for the sake of... Fresh legs. Masuaku came on as a sort of like minister without portfolio. We just came on to be in yeah, the midfield. he's
2: ideal kinds of step overs in central midfield. Yeah, you? yeah, in yeah. It was hilarious. We were winning the, the game fairly comfortably, I think. Yeah. I can't remember that game was. That no. Is, it's very funny. Um, talking of, I mean, I think it was the first time you've seen him in the Fed, Phil. So what did you make of Vlasic?
1: Yeah, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good. I thought, um, um, his uh, little cameo the previous week was, was looked good, and um, yeah, I liked him. I thought he was a, uh, I thought he was good. He's got good um, energy, good hustle. He's like the other player. He's like players we already have.
2: He's very like Bowen, isn't he? In many many yeah. ways. Yeah.
1: yeah, Um I think Bowen has has been really good at the beginning of this season. Yes, oh, and terrific. And it, you know, <laughs> he hasn't scored, but you know. Um, which is a shame, but uh, he he has a good engine, doesn't he? He has a good engine, good energy. He's strong as well. He's he's physically strong. He holds the ball up well, you know. Puts in a tackle. I I've been very impressed with Bowen. This I've always liked him, but but I think he's um, you know because of, because some of them were on international duty and you know were perhaps not didn't hit the ground running, but he's come back really strong, really good. But yeah, Vlasic looks great. And I mean, I think there's, um, you know, we don't have to be too worried if, you know, Antonio tweaks a hamstring. You know, I think that that within those, between those guys, they will they will score, they should score. You know, he is a huge asset, Antonio, obviously.
0: Yeah, I, and I, it's trite to say it, but we really missed him on Sunday. When when United stepped up their press, we just could not retain the ball towards the, the end of the second, or the, the second half of the second half, really. We were just lumping it forward and it was coming straight back to us. And that, that was the moment where you really needed that physical presence up front just to get the ball, hold it up, let the midfield push out again. And we just didn't have it and it kept coming back. And... I think, I think Bowen's fantastic. And I think he's really gone under the radar this season because he hasn't scored yet. But the yeah. work rate that he goes through is, is insane. But, you know, bringing on Yarmolenko to to kind of play that role up front. I mean, it's like it's like when a dog runs on the pitch. You know, everyone's kind of excited <laughs> when he gets near the ball, hoping it will do something a little bit random he's just he just can't operate at this level anymore and he can't play that or certainly not the way we play he can't no, the, the it's the role.
2: physicality and intensity of the league because he's actually got fantastic feet and, yeah. and, and and a great football brain i think in many ways you know and and uh he see you know he sees party I, I i there's a value in him and i think there will be a value in him in some european games as well but i agree with you about you know, is that physical intensity and pace of the premier league. He's never really been completely suited to that actually. No. Um, but post his Achilles injury, he's lost a bit of pace and a bit of kind of, Yeah, but he's still, you know, he's still an absolute stalwart for Ukraine and had a good Euro.
1: Yeah. There would be a system in which, you know, I mean, we got, uh, Teddy Sheringham when he was probably about 39 and Adam until he was about 41. And, you know, um, you could see how Yarmolenko could operate in a similar way to Teddy Sheringham. If you were playing two up the f- two up top, you know, Sheringham would never be kind of on his own with five behind him. You know, he, he, he sort of needs a strike partner. He yeah. needs, he needs to, uh, be the sort of slightly more withdrawn of a kind yes. of front two in the same way that, that McIverney was, uh, yeah. not that they're similar players at all, but, um, you know, yeah. um, um,
2: the other thing about Yamo, of course, is you know, a few minutes here and there is it, it, not much. He is one of the better played, better paid players on the staff, mm-hmm. isn't he? He's, a, he's on mm-hmm. a lot more than some of the others who are playing, <laughs> you know, ninety minutes week in, week out. So he's a he's a bit of a luxury we can't afford to a certain extent. And I'm sure if they could have unloaded him, they would have done yeah. it in the window. I, I think, think so. it's yeah. just just to free up money for wages for other signings or another loan signing potentially yeah. so you know you could imagine him going in January I think uh, that, yeah that, and certainly at the end of the season
1: just before we wrap it up and to talk about uh uh since we're on the subject of strikers and one of our one of our great strikers we'd perhaps did get him at the best of his career but Greavesy uh Greavesy yeah. left the building this week and um you know he uh it was sort of great that he had that second uh, career as a TV personality. Um, you know, he he uh that that the footage at the end of the World Cup in nineteen sixty-six when he comes onto the pitch, the opposite of John Terry coming on in a full football kit, even though he didn't play <laughs> uh, and sort yeah. of claiming the glory by standing on a plinth and holding a cup in the air. Greaves, he comes out because there's no substitutes. Grieves he comes out in a suit. Wanders around the pitch shaking hands with everyone. He's obviously pleased, but just the fact that he's not even in a kit because they weren't, you know, they didn't use substitutes, they weren't on the bench. It's just a sort of such a kind of sad, it's such a sad moment that, you know, we was like, probably the best, probably the best striker in Europe at at that particular time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it it is sad. You know, it's a shame, of course, that, you know, they didn't have a kind of more enlightened substitution obviously because probably you know <laughs> you would have he would have got on and, and, and you know felt part of it at some point you imagine yeah. yeah um yeah he was i never saw him in the in the flesh although actually but when I, when I probably when my first game probably he was still on the on the staff but I, I i didn't see him play in the flesh but clearly you know his 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 record you know he's right up there in terms of kind of european football so if we leave out Kind of Maradona and Pele in terms of, um, uh, uh, and count Messi as European because he's because he's played all his uh, career in, in Europe. He's he's one of four just uh, standalone, you know, strikers in our lifetime, isn't he? It's Müller, him, Ronaldo, and Messi, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah. th- th- those four, and he is absolutely in that company, and he's playing on worse pitches with a heavier football against. Clogging defenders who were allowed to properly kick the shit out of you. Not you couldn't. You know you, you couldn't win penalties the way that you know Ronaldo, and Messi, and Co. Have won penalties. He was he was must wasn't he? I mean, he just was. Yeah. And, and better better international stats. Even though Rooney might have scored more goals, he's just a kind of flat track. Bully really compared to Greece. Greece was scoring goals against quality opposition. Yeah, not meaningless friendlies and a lot of yeah, games. exactly. Yeah. San Marino and Estonia and whatever you know. So I, I just yeah, I, I mean, I have to say that, that, and, and the way he came back from 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 adversity in terms of his alcoholism and so on, yeah, you know, is 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 something to be admired as well. What what, what a grand old man of, of
0: football, yeah. And and I'm of that generation that knew him as a TV personality yeah. rather than a footballer, and it was quite a surprise to discover that he actually was this incredible goal scorer because mm. he was just a, 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 well, he wasn't just, he was a, an incredible Saturday ITV sort of light entertainment presenter.
1: Yeah, and yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, to
0: have those two acts is great, but a lot of the, um, a lot of the old football journos that I'm, Friends with on social media have been swapping sort of stories about him meeting him and their parents meeting him back in the day, and and by all accounts, you know he was a he was a gentleman off the pitch as much as he was a a kind of lethal striker on it. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's you know one thing that people sort of forget about. Um, you know that England team. Uh, was that you know not only they the, possibly the best striker in Europe at the time, but we had the Ballon d'Or holder. We had the current footballer of the year in our team because Charlton was the football was the European footballer of the year in that team. So it's an incredibly high functioning squad of players. You know mm. they're an extremely good team, and that's sort of why they win it in the end. You know, yeah. it's a hard game against Germany, but. We make their defenders' lives hell in that game. Yeah. And of course, we score score four times, you know. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, hats off to Jimmy. Um, It was a great. Just
2: a brief uh, footnote. There's another farewell, of course, today, and that is to Winston Reid, who has left the the club by mutual consent. Um, And, uh, you know, it's it's a sort of slightly, sort of not, not with a bang, but a whimper end to what actually. You know, it's been a, br- a brilliant West Ham career. I mean,
0: um yeah. we loved him, didn't we? We absolutely yeah. loved him. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he and was that, terrific. That last goal at the bowling, which you know he yeah. Yeah, that's forever that go down that, in folklore for and the yeah. one against Mill as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can't take it away from him. I wonder is he um is he still at Brentford? Are they hanging on to him?
2: No, he came back. Um, right. So, and um, you know, I imagine trying to force his way back into in, into um, the reckoning. But um, yeah, he's still going to try and find a find a guy. I think he'll still do
0: a job for a team in the championship.
1: Yeah, championship team. I'd yeah, cool.
0: absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not that much older than Craig Dawson, is it? He? He's thirty three. Dawson's coming to so, thirty two.
2: Yeah, yeah. It seems you know he's been unlucky with those 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 injuries in the latter. Part of his West Ham career, wasn't
0: he? You know, but Really was a top-notch central defender, really good. Well, yeah, he sort of got better and
1: better, didn't he? Yeah,
0: he 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 looked good with with Arsenal, wasn't he? Arsene Wenger was a massive fan and was always trying to. He was always one step away from joining Arsenal. I mean, he was at his at his peak. He was superb, absolutely superb.
1: He had good feet, didn't he? Good feet and carried the ball out of defence. You know, yeah. There was a little bit more to his game than. uh, just yeah, uh, defending. and he had
2: that kind of Kiwi never say die body on the line mentality, you know. Yeah, that um, they kind of somehow, you know, kind of drum into them in school. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a real, it's a real shame that accident sort of robbed him of like a couple of years of football, didn't they? Yeah, really was yeah. missing for like a couple of years. Mm. Uh very tough, but you know. Yeah, a sort of Darren Anderson-like sort of late blooming in the lower divisions is not not out of the question possible. at
2: all. You know, very possible. Yeah,
1: uh, when Anderson went up north and played for did he play for like Bradford or someone, he was never got injured. <laughs> never yeah, got yeah. injured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Played a load of games for them. Never got injured. It was extraordinary. Anyway, uh, that has been it for this week's stop hammer time. My name's Phil, Phil Wheelands. With me being Jim Grant, Cheerio, and Dan Silver. Farewell. <laughs> Come on, new irons.
2: This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere